Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. The Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer. From 7 to 8 p.m. on AM 1320, as well as over the internet, the stream is available at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today in studio is Tony Vizcaya, writer and photographer for ResNet.com. And last night, Tony, the Revs had a great game, a 2-0 victory over Chicago, who have been their biggest competitors in the East so far. But the Revs, a 3-0 victory against Chicago just over two weeks ago, and then a 2-0 victory last night, really showing that they're the class of the East and even the class of the whole league right at this point. Yeah, thanks for inviting me back, Sean. Um, Hopefully, hopefully, uh, people don't get used to this and expect us to uh, be rolling over teams because it's very difficult. I was a little bit surprised myself because uh, having won at Chicago, you know that they're going to be extra motivated. And, um, you know, when a team comes out gunning for you, uh, they actually, I thought, carried the play for the first uh, 15 or 20 minutes. And then once we settled down our midfield, uh, our talent started to surface and uh, we controlled the floor to, of the game for the, for the duration after that and we eventually got some goals well considering the conditions last night with the weather with wind gusts that they said were going to be up to 50 miles per hour and below 40 degrees out and downpour rain I thought the Revs did really well controlling the possession and not making too many bad passes considering the weather and what what could have happened Um, I agree with you about the first 30 minutes Chicago seemed to come out and control the match but then after that the Revs took control for the rest of the game and and really they, they looked good out there and and Pat Noonan scored the, the opening goal, and then Clint Dempsey had his fifth goal of the season. is leading the league right now in goals, and he's got four assists to go with it. Uh, really an exciting team to be watching right now, and it's a great year to be a fan of the team. It is. It is. Uh, the, the core of the team stayed intact, and uh, Steve Nichols done a great job of uh, bringing in some comp- complimentary players. Uh, as far as the conditions, you know, these guys ha- have played, and as you know, in the preseason they ran into some... Uh, harsh weather conditions and uh, of course playing and practicing in New England in, in the early spring is always an adventure so um, that's also true of Chicago so I don't think we had an advantage that way but uh, as far as adapting to the conditions uh, I think that the field itself drains well so there wasn't a whole lot of uh, water on the, on the pitch the wind was probably a, a bigger problem and then of course the the temperatures once you get wet and the wind's blowing like that your hands go numb and uh, you know it, it's difficult to have a good touch on the ball. And coming into the season, uh, people expected the Revs' offense to be good. It's been very great the past couple of years, leading the league in scoring two years ago and uh, the year before that. And this year the offense has been great. And and even not not just the offense this year, but the defense, which is which was a worry in preseason with Carlos Yumosa expected to be the starting central defender. But Michael Parker came in and earned the spot, and Yumosa is no longer on the team because of it. And Parker has done a very good job there. Looks very comfortable, and the, the defense has had three shutouts in a row and have allowed the least goals of any team in the league right now. Uh, yeah, and I talked to Michael uh, after the game, and uh, he's the first to tell you that uh, you know the credit has to be spread around. Uh, the the team as a whole is defending well, starting with the forward, forwards up top, keeping the pressure on. We're not giving um, the other teams time to, to settle the ball and, and uh, group and uh, direct their attack. And, and uh, 
uh, try to pick any weak spots, which at this point it doesn't even seem like we have any weak spots because uh, people are covering for each other. The the flank midfielders are coming back, helping out the defense. And uh, what what Michael has done that maybe this team has lacked in the past is the organizational skills between him and Matt Reese. I think that they've organized the defense to a point where uh, we cut off. We make all the simple plays right, and we cut off things before they have a chance to become dangerous. And Matt Reese, last season, um, Aiden Brown came in as a starter, but because of his injuries, Matt Reese came in and, and got the starting spot and held it even when Aiden Brown started to get healthy towards the end of the season. And, and then in the playoffs, he had an excellent playoffs, and then he came in this season as a starter with Aiden Brown off to Norway. And he, he's really done good so far this year. He's actually got the best goals against average, which can be credited to the defense, but on top of that, he has the best save percentage as well, which is, is, which is really a credit to him. Well, uh, we played six games. He has four shutouts. That's that's a tough ratio to beat, and uh, you know all the credit has to go to Matt, but also the way he directs his defense in front of him. Uh, I think that this year I've seen a, a little bit of a difference in in Matt's confidence level. Last year, even though he was playing, Aiden was still around, and it was always a question if Aiden got healthy, would Matt still you know be the number one keeper this year? He knows it's his turf, and uh, I think he's just playing with the extra confidence, and, and he's out there, and, and nobody's uh, going to get any cheat goals on this issue. And, and really with a guy like Yamosa not in part of the defense anymore and Parkhurst being right in the center, uh, the goalie like Matt Reese, who's a veteran, is more expected to take a leadership role and has to take a leadership role in a situation like that. And I think he's done a really good job organizing defense, like you were saying. And the, the team this year looks, looks very organized in every, everywhere, midfield, defense, and part of the reason the defense has done so well is because the midfield has become so good at possessing the ball and not making stupid giveaways. And it's really a great team to be watching. And they they keep the ball. They they make great great chances at goal. Last year they played some good soccer. They got unlucky with the results. But this year the ball is getting in the back of the net, and they're, they're top of the league right now. Yeah. Well, as you said earlier, um, everybody expected that the Revs' offense uh, would produce, and uh, you know. Uh, Having a couple of all-star, uh, actually national team players up front, uh, you know that we have the quality. You know that we're going to generate some goals. The surprise is that uh, how good all around we are, uh, especially, like you said, losing a couple of uh, the main players, uh, Carlos Yamosa being gone, our captain Joe Franchino get, getting hurt and uh, hasn't even really been a, a, a main player yet. Uh, I expect that when he gets healthy, uh, there's going to be some battles for positions, but um, the surprise has been that the guys that have gotten an opportunity, the, the Michael Parkers, the, the James O'Reillys, uh, also Marshall Leonard stepped up his game, and it just seems to be, you know, carrying throughout the team. Marshall Leonard stepped up his game. Jay Heaps is playing great this year, uh, and you know, Charlie Charlie Joseph, I think, is also along with Matt Reese, one of the guys that shows increased confidence. Uh, he now he now considers himself one of the premier players in the league. And uh, this this all has evolved to the point where, like you said, we're now the class of the league. And, and another player who was out of the lineup last night was Jose Cancela. He had been out because of injury, because of sickness, and, and uh, Andy Dorman stepped up and played really well, and then he stepped up in the next game and started and played really well, and co- the coach decided to give him the start again. And I thought he looked really good last night, but, but Cancela had been doing really good in his first three games too, so that kind of gives the coach a problem. But I, I think that's a problem he's happy to have compared to the years past where he had problems filling up the, the roster on match days. Exactly. And, you know, Andy Dorman's a different player than Jose Cancela. Uh, uh, Jose brings something that uh, I don't think any of our other players 
can. Uh, I think he can affect the tempo of the game a little better than anyone else. But in the conditions that we had last night, where the, this, the ball's going to skid around, and you knew that Chicago, having all the physical players that they have, and they were going to come at us really hard, uh, I think it was a pretty good selection. As, as much as I admire and, and like Jose Cancela, uh, Andy Dorman's a solid player, and he covers more ground, and he has a higher work rate defensively. And I think that's what Steve wanted to start off the match. He didn't want us to fall behind, uh, and so we held our own. And eventually, as I said, once our uh, passing skills and uh, our attacks started to click and we got a couple of goals, we, we actually almost had a couple more that got called off. But uh, that was inevitable that we'd get one or two. Uh, I was surprised the week before when Chivas held us for so long without a, without a goal, but uh, uh, I actually thought that um, you know uh, Chicago was going to be tougher to score on, and uh, eventually we'd... Uh, we did break through and create chances, and uh, our guys are just uh, putting them away. Well, the difference I noticed in this game and uh, the Chivas game was Chivas came in trying to play for a tie, it seemed like. They just tried to play some bunker ball and stay back and just focus on defense and not really try to press, whereas Chicago came forward and they began to press, and their confidence built as they started playing well in the first 30 minutes. But then, then the, it just changed about in the 30th minute, and it started going the Revs away. I'm not really sure what... What happened there exactly? But the revs started clicking, and it really started going the revs' way after about the 30-minute mark. Yeah, um, I, I think the familiarity of our players eventually, you know, the, the the core of our team having played together longer. Chicago has a couple of new guys in this year. Uh, I'm not sure if it was the first game, but uh, they have a new guy, uh, Lubus Ryder, uh, who's a, a pretty good player. But uh, right now, the team doesn't know him, and vice versa. Uh, they have another guy, Thiago, who's going to be, you know, a pretty good player for him. But uh, it, he's not become as productive as he probably will eventually become. Uh, so I think um, that they also had a couple of guys coming back from injury. You know, Chris Simas has missed a lot of time in the past year, and uh, also uh, Jesse Marsh. So I, I think right now our advantage over a team like that is that uh, we've just been our core has been together a little longer than theirs. And one guy on the road who I didn't think had the best game of his career, but played played a solid match with Steve Rawson, who was the MVP last year. He wasn't as ever present in that game as he as he c- can be being the MVP last year. But it, it showed that even when he wasn't having his greatest game, that the Reds could still come and get a victory, missing their MVP plan. You know, he he wasn't the playing the All Star player that I thought he can be, but he still he still did have a solid game. I just thought it was a good a good thing to see the Reds get a result, even when a player isn't having the best game. Right. Well, you know, Steve uh, is the Iron Man of the league, and uh, I'm sure that he doesn't want to be uh, missing games. But uh, when you're sick and uh, drop some weight like Steve does, and he doesn't have much extra weight to lose, uh, you, you become weaker. And the, the thing with Steve, he's so good at so many different things, and he's such a great team player uh, that he's going to adapt, and he's going to find a way to help the team win. Yep, and, and even even with the, the sickness, and he came out and got the got the assist in the game, which was the tying assist that tied Joe Max Moore's record for the all-time assist lead on the Revs, which is a pretty impressive feat for him, considering how he's only been here for about th- this is about his fourth year now, and he, he's really done a great job be- commanding the Revs midfield from the right side. He was the captain last year when Joe Frantino was out, and I was a little surprised actually to see the captain go to Shari Joseph when uh, Joe Frantino has been out this year. But I think Joseph's done a great job commanding the midfield, and and I, I think that actually, in retrospect, was a good choice. It is. Uh, I, I think uh, Steve Nichol looks around the team and he sees who, who the confident players are, who, who the people that uh, 
a, a carrying, you know, and demanding respect. And uh, I, I think this year, Charlie Joseph has just established himself. He's a monster. He covers so much ground. Uh, and, and this is the reason why we're getting the shout-outs, you know, because of the coordination between defense and the midfield and the, the work rate of, uh, and a, you know, all, all around the positioning and then the, the possession play, which frustrates other teams. And uh, they just don't have the opportunities to score like the past Revs teams have given up. And, and if you just look at the stat sheet, the guy who stands out right away is Clint Dempsey, who is last month's player of the month, won what, what I would think was the biggest landslide of any vote, got 43 votes, and the second highest was Brian Ching with two. And uh, he, he's really had a great season so far, five goals, four assists, four game-winning goals, and, and they had four in a row at one point until the last game. But even that game had the game-winning assist, so he's really proved to be a big part of the Revs' winning way so far this season. What can you say about Clint? Um, he, here he is playing uh, with a couple of established stars in, in uh, Pat Noonan and uh, Taylor Twelman and, of course, uh, Ralston, who's also a national team player. And then Clint comes in and he steals the spotlight. I mean, so far he's scored, scored winning goals at crucial times, and, uh, and, and they are all of the highlight real variety. Again, th- this week he'll probably win goal of the week again. <laughs> that was a, a great play, instinctive uh, which is not something you can teach. I mean, the, a ball like that would uh, completely off balance, falling down and still finding a way to nudge that ball into the net. It was outstanding. Yeah, one thing you can say about him is he certainly takes his opportunities, and that, li- that there he was running the other way. The ball landed right in front of him, and he managed to turn around, get a foot on it, and chip it into the net. It, it was quite a goal there, and he's had most of his goals this season have been diving headers, but he's had some spectacular goals, and I, I believe he already had two goals of the week, and he's got nominated again this week, so he was really scoring some highlight reel goals, and by the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have the goal of the year. Yeah, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Clint uh, have some uh, offers come his way, which uh, may mean that uh, we'd better enjoy his play this this season, because a player of that caliber, I'm, I'm sure that not only Bruce Arena from the national team is taking notice, but I'm sure there's some European teams that are starting to hear about this kid. And um, the chances, uh, I mean, I, I, I wish Clint the best, and I'm just glad that uh, we have him here on our team this year. Well, w- one thing, he trained with Feyenoord the, over the offseason. They said they were impressed, but uh, there was some word going on that the league was asking too much for him at that point. I, I, th- I think they're going to regret, regret not going after him at that point, seeing now how well he's doing. I think he's going to be worth a lot more next time it comes around to they get the chance to offer for him. Exactly. Uh, what was too much for them at the time is probably now looking like a bargain. And uh, the the longer Clint keeps up the the pl- level of play that he's established for himself this year, uh, the price is going to go even higher. Uh, as you know, uh, I believe that there were offers to, for MLS for um, uh, the the forward from, from Eddie Dallas, Johnson. Eddie Johnson, who who made an impact on an, on the international scene when he scored some goals for the USA. And, uh, you know, Quint's done it on the domestic level. He's had limited time with the national team, but I think that's going to change. And if he has success at the international level as well, then uh, I, I think that he'll command uh, the, the money figures that, that were being tossed out there for Eddie Johnson. If Dempsey keeps playing as well as he's playing, I don't see how Bruce Arena could keep him off the U.S. national team game. And with a big game like U.S. versus England coming up May 28th, it should be a joy to watch him in the international stage as well. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with more Revolution Recap.
Head to the airport for that great getaway. Airport golf, that is. At Airport Golf in North Attleboro, they have more than just the area's best driving range. They have a challenging 18-hole mini golf course and batting cages that the whole family will love. Swing by the pro shop and take that club that you've had your eye on for a while out to the range for a free demo. You can bring your golf game to the next level at Airport Golf with a variety of lesson packages that will suit you or your whole family. At Airport Golf in North Attleboro, they have putting greens, chipping areas, and sand traps that will hone your skills and help you leave the office far behind. Maybe the office needs a bit of a field trip. Airport Golf wants you to have your next corporate event, birthday party, or sports team outing with them. Annual memberships are also available. So fly away from the stress of the day at the airport. Airport Golf on Route 152 in North Attleboro. Visit them online at airportgolfrange.com. Some time ago, 138 Auto Mall changed the way people bought cars. They kept the fun and excitement in it. We did something no other car dealers were doing. We created a hassle-free buying experience. Listen to this. Our sales staff does not even get a commission. We have no sneaky pitches or bait-and-switch tactics. What we do is give you an amazing choice. Then we let you browse on the lot and test drive on your own. We figure when you want help, you'll ask for it. Novel idea, eh? All of our vehicles are fairly priced, and all of the 138 Auto Mall's customers walk away saying they enjoyed the car buying experience. If you can find another dealer that can do it better, buy from them. And we take care of you after the sale with a full service department open six days a week. So come on in, browse, or take a look online at 138automall.com. That's 138automall.com. Find out what it's like to actually enjoy buying a car. From pickups to minivans to SUVs, domestic or imported, from Hyundai to Porsche. We will fit your budget and we will get you financed on the spot. Come experience a great experience. 138 Auto Mall. Route 138 Rainham, where the only pressure is in the tires. So there you sit, trying to plan your financial future. But there's so much to know, and so many choices. How can you be confident you're making the right decisions? Maybe you won't need the guidance of a financial professional to reach your goals, but most of us will. Your modern Woodman representative can analyze your needs to help you make informed decisions about financial products and services. Plus, you'll gain access to fraternal member benefits that can enrich your family and community. Call your modern Woodman representative today. Touching lives, securing futures. Securities offered through MWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, 1701 First Avenue, Rock Island, Illinois, 61201, phone 309-558-3100, member NASD SIPC. You've got a ticket to ride with Millennium Sportsbook at BetMillNow.com. Right now, sign up at Millennium Sportsbook and get a 25% sign-up bonus. Beat the line moves with access to the overnight lines at Millennium Sportsbook. You'll enjoy their easy-to-navigate website, multiple payment options, outstanding customer service. And don't forget, BetMillNow.com's teaser odds are the highest payout anywhere. Go to BetMillNow.com or call toll-free 1-800-824-1637.
Host Jim Fijo of Daniel Chapter 1 talks with Major League Baseball player J.D. Drew. So you did the GDU, it's a natural anti-inflammatory, and it's also a protolytic enzyme. I hope you're using it more than not using it. Yeah, that's right. I can't tell you how many hundreds of those things I've taken <laughs> since February. You know, the amazing thing is is the fact that you can get off all the, the effects of the anti-inflammatories that you get prescribed so many times by the trainers and the doctors, that, you know, which scares me and always has because, you know, last year, last season, I'm... I lived on Vogs pretty much every day of the season and oh, didn't really boy. think I had another option. Right. And, uh, you know, when you when you play this game and you played in the, the pretenses that you're playing 162 games a year, you get a couple of days off a month, your body takes a lot of wear and tear, and, you know, you're willing to fill it with about anything you can. You also have options to using dangerous drugs like Biox and Celebrex. For pain and inflammation in your body, try GDU. To order, call 1-800-504-5511. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Joining us now is Brad Feldman, Revolution play-by-play broadcaster as well as Director of Communications. Brad, can you hear us? I can, loud and clear. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Oh, I think what you guys are doing is great. Uh, congratulations, Sean, on, on the show. Uh, it's it's uh, a real uh, credit to you for having the initiative to... To do the show, it's great for the team to be, you know, to have an independent uh, radio voice on the air and and have weekly programming in, you know, in New England that, that where, where fans can get information and and exchange views and uh, I think it, it shows that, you know, the interest in the team and the sports growing. Uh, but again, most of all, it's you know down to what you're doing. I, I think the Revolution family's proud of you having won the Radio Shack Extreme Fan uh, Journalist Award a couple of years ago, and then taking the next step and, and and doing what you're doing is you know it's great, and uh, you know we'll do what we can to you know, over over in Foxborough to to spread the word about your good show. Well, thanks a lot, and thanks a lot for uh, getting me players every week, and Craig Tornberg and Mike Burns and guys like that. It's it's been great. Yeah, and because you know, again, 100% behind what you're doing. Uh, as you know, uh, the players as a group are, you know, approachable and easygoing, and they want the, the sport to grow and the the popularity of the team to, to spread. So uh, I think, to a man, everyone you know wants to to support what you're doing. It's easy. And you've been a Revs broadcaster for about five years now, and seeing the Revs team this year go undefeated is this by far the best team you've ever seen. Yeah, in so many ways, it, it, the answer is yes. Or, uh, you know, to, to any way you want to ask, you know, ask that question. Certainly, the style of play is is positive, and you know, you know, from the front office side, you know, what we're just hoping for is a nice, nice day next week so that some people come out to see the team because uh, if you look back at some of the previous Revolution teams, even when they had success, it wasn't. This much fun to watch. The guys are stroking it around, you know, playing, uh, you know, on the deck, and you have a lot of, you know, technically accomplished players on, on the field all at once. So it's great to watch. The winning attitude is there, and we know that Steve Nickel teams have that sort of mental toughness uh, because we've seen what they can do down the stretch in the playoffs when they're when they're or in late in the season when their backs are against the wall. But this year, uh, for them to come in and have everybody on the same page, and most importantly, I'm sure you've discussed this already, healthy, um, I, I think means that you know that for the first time, like going back to 2001, the first year that I was doing broadcasting for the team when I was, you know, sort of part-time internet radio host with Adrian Healy on, on the old internet, and uh, 
and also doing sideline for TV and filling in for Butch Stearns and Mike Noonan on the radio. And uh, yeah, they opened 0 and 6. It was awful, you know. And so now to be sitting here, that hasn't be 5 0 and 1. You know, I, I hear fans saying, you know, we don't know, you know, we, we don't. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's really unfor- it's really unfortunate the weather hasn't been cooperating with how well the team has been playing, and they're playing such a nice style of soccer to pl- to watch, and better than you've ever seen in the past. And some great world class goals are scoring goal of the week candidates every week. It's really a great thing to watch, and it's un- unfortunate the weather hasn't been cooperating. Well, and it's, but the, the thing is, it's going to, and you know now uh, the Celtics, for better or for worse, are done. Uh, there's there's there are no hockey playoffs this year, and uh, sooner or later, Sean. Spring has to come, you know what I mean. So I think you know what you're going to see is that you know youth soccer seasons are going to wind down. Uh, people are going to have more more leisure time on the weekends, hopefully, and the t- the team will hopefully continue to play well. You know what you, you what you hope for is that right now when people are making plans for camps and you know youth soccer groups in the summer and family outings, that people are planning to go to games. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of, of this stretch where five of six home games, are, you know, five or six games are at home. Two of them are already uh, on the books, but three of the next four are at home. And hopefully, as the weeks pass, the weather will be better, the team will keep playing well, and the Reds will be able to build off of, of the success at the box office. Hey, Brad, this is Tony Buscaya from Rosnet. How are you? Who? Tony, Tony I, 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 anybody who knows me knows I'm, I'm just kidding. Tony and I see each other, what, three or four times a week? How's uh, it going? Were you at the game this morning? I was, yeah. It was fun. Except okay, great. Econo Smith in the 74th minute, I understand. I missed a reserve game. Can you believe it? It, it was a pretty good matchup. Uh, it was close. Actually, Chicago uh, carried most of the early play. And then uh, towards the end, uh, we had a couple of scoring opportunities. And uh, Kanu Smith. Uh, he's a monster. You know, he he was making the most of his opportunities. He's a tough guy to defend one on one, and uh, I think it was a one on one that somebody set him up. Uh, where uh, Connolly's uh, what I understand, Dozian. Yeah, Con- Connolly played an excellent game. Uh, he showed me a side of his game that I hadn't seen before. I hadn't actually seen him play in a competitive match before, and I'm I'm very impressed. He's an intelligent player, good ball control. And uh, when he sprang uh, Smith, he had to beat one guy, and uh, he got the bounce, got behind the guy, and uh, it was clinical finish. Uh, it was outstanding. But uh, I have a question for you, Brad, now that the team's uh, having some success. Yes. Uh, in your other position as the director of media relations, have you seen the interest from the media outlets in the area ramp up on a team because it's winning? Yeah, I think so. I, th- this is the thing. Like, There's no question about it. On Friday, I'll list the stations who... Uh, the TV stations who covered the Revs. Uh, a lot of people saw the segment with uh, Taylor Twelman and uh, Tom Karen on Nesson's uh, Sports Plus. Uh, so you had Nesson. Uh, Necken, Channel 7, Channel 25, and did I say, uh, 725 and Necken all had news cameras there. So you had three news stations, the Nesson piece, and uh, then on Friday night you had the segment with me and Mike Rattay in the on the Sports Zone special on 56. So no fewer than five stations in the Boston market, which is the number five market in the United States in terms of media markets, had coverage of the revolution. Now, is it as much coverage as the Red Sox or the Celtics were in the playoffs are getting? Is it as big a story as, as Tom Brady getting a new contract? Obviously not. Uh, but it, it does, and you, you know me, I tell you, I can be defensive about it at times because, uh, because I, de- I dedicated my life to promoting the revolution. Uh, as I, I think that I think we get more coverage for the team 
did people realize a lot of times and you know again like i obviously i'm biased i i, I confess to, to a certain level of bias but i track the media coverage that we get and i also have access to certain you know metering or you know tracking surveys uh that show the coverage that, that, that we get for the team most people like i know we all have our remote controls and channel surf and some people watch at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock newscast but some people will say, well, my Providence station didn't have highlights of the revs tonight. So that means they're not getting, you know, nobody's showing them. And this is not true. You know, like there's no question that w- where we really fall down is we almost never get on the Sunday night shows on 4 and 7. You know what I mean? Like they just, they just don't do it. And uh, New England Sports tonight with, uh, uh, you know, Gary Tangway and, and help me out here, he's my buddy too. Uh, I can't think of a name. Yeah, that's terrible. He's a good, good guy. And anyway, I hope he never hears this. Um, <laughs> you know, seriously, we hung out at the Super Bowl, but uh, uh, he did a great job on the Celtics sideline. But anyway, they don't like soccer, and they, they don't make no bones about it. And so those three talk shows never have us on. Channel Five, you know, does a decent job of doing a couple of uh, you know packages a year, but that's about it. But we went around the horn last night. Everybody has their highlights on. All three Providence stations last week and, you know, four of the five big news stations last night had the highlights on. And what I'm getting to, Tony, to answer your question in a roundabout sort of way, is that, yeah, interest is a little bit higher now because the Reds are winning, but since I've been there the last three years as Director of Communications, it's pretty much always been that way. I feel like we've built coverage over the three years, but that, you know, sometimes we get higher TV ratings and more news coverage in the middle of the summer just because the only people we're competing against are the Red Sox. Then the Celtics start up. I, I, I mean, the, the, the Patriots start up, and then the Celtics, and it's harder to, you know, the Red Sox get in the playoffs, and you can't get a sniff, even if the Revolution are in the playoffs. But in July, we'll get a high TV rating for a Saturday night game because there's less going on. And I think it's just what it comes down to is, you know, soccer, we all think of it as a major sport. Not everybody does, and I feel like, Tony, and I'm sure you agree with me, that a lot of these guys who are sticks in the mud, they just don't want to learn about it. Soccer's too big a universe for them to try to take on at this stage of their careers, and they don't, be, they don't like feeling like they don't know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you know, if you've been watching NFL football your whole life, you know the teams, you know the history. There's this infinite universe of soccer that they're afraid of. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, some Central American teams are coming in for a friendly. They can't pronounce the names of the teams. You know, the Champions League, they don't know how that differs from the European Championships, and they don't know how uh, the Champions League even differs from the UEFA Cup. You know what I mean? And it's, all t- it's too many languages and too many cultures and too many leagues for them to get their brains around, and so they'd rather just dismiss the whole thing. That's so that, true. Uh, they- and so... You know, even if it is the world's most popular sport, last time the Sports Center's top ten plays, they had two soccer highlights: one from the English Premiership and one from the Columbus DC game. And in both cases, they sort of mocked the sport. And I, uh, you know, I was on the ESPN lot, and I vowed to myself, I saw Dave Anderson, the guy who did it. I was going to stop him on the lot. I was going to grab him by his tie, put him up against the wall. I was like, "Listen, you such and such, you know." <laughs> Yeah, you don't tell me you're taking NASCAR seriously and you're going to make fun. He called the, uh, the penalty kick a try. But, you know, who scored for Charles yesterday against uh, Manu? I can't remember who it was. Gardner? I forget. But yeah, he did a flip celebration. He said, great. He put on a fake English accent. He said, great try. Well, one, one thing. You don't, you know, give me a break. 
So I get fired up about this. But to answer your question, Tony, yeah, there's more interest. There are a few more. You know, George Kimball was there for the Herald last night to write about Dempsey. Uh, Grant Wall was there to write about Dempsey for Sports Illustrated. You know, the Revolution are definitely the hot team right now. But in terms of week-in, week-out media coverage, since the beginning of the season, we've had TV cameras that practice pretty regularly. Necking covers the team regularly. New England Cable News. CN8, Comcast, covers the team regularly. Nesson has started to cover the team. Uh, Channel 25, Fox 25 and 56, you know, are very consistent in their coverage of the team. The only ones that you have trouble with are 4, 5, and 7. And they still show highlights on Saturday night. So, you know, I, I know that's a long-winded answer, but, you know, this is my job, and, you know, I spend a lot of time on it. I think the Revolution do get coverage. They just don't get as much coverage as the Red Sox and the Patriots. And, you know, let's just be honest about how much, you know, interest those teams, you know, and how, how much revenue those two teams generate. You know, it's, it's, you're talking apples and oranges. You're really talking about cherry tomatoes and, you know, a big, you know, juicy steak tomato. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Well, one thing I noticed was uh, after the Revs, D.C. Eastern Conference Final last year, uh, they were showing highlights. Uh, I won't say who it was, but they were showing highlights. And the, the announcer was saying, uh, after, the, after the highlights, he said, I could have made that shot about Clint Dempsey's missed penalty kick. And it's like, is that comment necessary? Why, why do you have to feel the need to throw that in there? Well, that, that, but that just, that just shows the level of ignorance. Like, yeah, and you probably could have made a free throw from 15 feet away, too, but with, you know, 24,000 people screaming at you, you know, maybe you clank that free throw. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. like what's, um, the percentage of made uh, penalty kicks in a, in a penalty kick shootout at the professional level is about the same as a free throw under pressure in a, in a basketball game, 65%, right? So there you go. The guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, Brad, actually, you, you made a good point that I've, uh, you know, I've never tried to argue, and that is the fact that the local people, the revolution is uh, pretty much a, a local team, a local sport, and the local broadcasters uh, could probably cover it fairly competently on the local level. But, but you're right, it must be scary for them to not know about the rest of the perspective in the worldwide uh, because soccer is truly an international sport. We call some of our other American sport championships world championships, but they are not truly world championships. They are regional championships. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's a lot of that goes way back, you know, 50, 70 years. And it sounds better to say, you know, with, with the truth of the matter is you're not going to find a professional basketball team that can beat the NBA champions. Same right. with the World Series. You know, I mean, you can take the best team from Cuba or Nicaragua or Venezuela or Japan even, and they're probably in a seven-game series not going to be able to beat the Red Sox. You know what I mean? Like, they are probably the World Series. They probably are the world champions. But the thing about baseball, and even basketball, which has become a lot more popular, is, you know, not everybody plays it. And everybody plays soccer. Even in these baseball countries like Venezuela and Cuba, they, you know, they play soccer. So you, I'm, listen, I'm preaching to the choir here. Anybody who's listening to this show knows what I'm talking about. I just, <laughs> it frustrates me, you know, when you listen to the guys on EEI, we're on their air. They don't want to come near it. Now, I can understand, you know, Greg Dickerson, by the way, is the guy's name. slipped <laughs> my mind. Apologies uh, to Greg. He's a terrific right. uh, broadcast, uh, broadcast journalist and, and, uh, and announcer. But uh, Greg Dickerson is very honest. He, he says, I like golf. I said, I don't like golf. I, I actually dislike golf. I, I, I respect the game, but I don't like the culture of golf. And that's just my own personal bias probably bad for business. I'd probably be a richer person if I go play golf with the big hoo-hahs, you know, from my various companies. But, you know, to, sit, to not embrace soccer culture, to me it's to just, you know, shut the door on the world, you know what I mean? Because people say, oh, I hate when, you know, those players dive. I was like, all right, well then pick a league where the players don't dive, where they 
where they boo players who dive and identify with them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, okay, I don't like when they go east-west, you know, keep the ball. I said, okay, go for a long ball league. You know what I mean? Follow the Norwegian right. League. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just people who are trying to insulate themselves because it's too, it's, it's too complicated. It's too complicated for them to, to get their brains around. So, sorry, we Excuse me one second, guys. That's all right. And and really, with what the, what he was saying, the the media coverage, they don't right, really want to get into on Sunday night. It's only family time. I have it's unprofessional, but I, that's my daughter Mira breaking in there. Sorry, yeah. um, Brad. As you know, uh, the reason that uh, you know the the, the basketball and baseball, it, it, it's all money driven. And at this point in in our American culture, the money's not in soccer yet. So uh, to me, it's actually outstanding. Uh, at the talent level that uh, and, and the playing level that MLS has now achieved in 10 years uh, and the fact that uh, we're developing players that are going to be coveted by other teams uh, and, and as you were saying no team's going to come in and, and uh, challenge the Red Sox and the Yankees in baseball or some of the American basketball teams just as right now it's tough for anyone to go to the top Italian uh, English and Spanish teams and, and try to get a result against those teams because well, they're a collection of the so highest again, paid players like, I think in everybody the who who listens to, you know, who has the interest in the revolution and, and follows MLS knows these things. But, I, you know, I announce European games. Um, for the last two seasons, I covered the, the Scottish Premier League for ESPN International. This year I did uh, Italian Serie A, which is obviously a big step up uh, in terms of talent. But I've done everything from the Dutch League to the Spanish League, uh, you know, from the A-League in the United States. I've seen all different levels of soccer. And, you know, my feeling is that, other than the big three leagues, Italy, England, and Spain, and maybe you know you can lump in Germany and now and now France because of the infusion of money into the French league. But you go to any of these other countries, and I know I'm going to make a lot of people in southeastern Massachusetts mad, but I, I include the Portuguese league. Once you lop the three or four big clubs off of the top, I believe the better MLS teams could compete favorably in any of those leagues. If you go to Scotland, once you take out the old firm team and maybe the, the third place team from that particular year, whether it's Hibs or Hearts or Aberdeen, depending on the year, take off those top three teams. When I did the Dundee Derby with Adrian Healy for ESPN International, Dundee against Dundee United, really, this is horrible. The MLS teams are you know, much more talented than them now. All the Scottish guys, you know, they play the same game, they know their their role in the system, so it's a little bit different where we have these disparate styles and. In MLS, where guys come from all over the country and all over the world, but that's true more and more in the Scottish League now too. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, you know, from having seen the Revolution play teams like Sporting Lisbon and Santa Clara, even admittedly in, in friendly sort of situations, and I use that word euphemistically <laughs> in the case of Sporting. But you know, what I mean, like you can see, you know, like you know, Sporting comes in with some very, very technical and very accomplished players, but. The Revolution have great fighting spirit. With every passing year, they have better footballers, more technical players. And, you know, I'm not saying that MLS is the greatest league in the world, but bang for buck, and I said this on the air last night in the telecast, $2 million salary cap? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Hey, Brad, one, you know, one more question. Since you're probably more familiar with our team than anyone else other than uh, the, the coaching staff, who has impressed you and surprised you most in the success of this team this year? Well... You know, impressed is easy. You know, everybody's talking about Clint Dempsey. Like I said, you know, he's going to be in Sports Illustrated this week. The ESPN cameras were there. The New York Times, he's going to be the main story in Soccer America coming up. 
Uh, Dempsey's easy uh, just because of the production and the, and the, and the flair with which he's, he's putting his numbers up. Uh, surprise? Uh, go, it's, a, it's a tie with the, the two rookies. You know, you know Riley's hurt. Uh, Parkhurst has been a very pleasant surprise because for the first day I saw him, I could tell what class he had. You know, even just looking at some tape from when he was at Wake Forest before the draft. But, you know, a lot of the little rookie mistakes that I saw in preseason – he ironed out very, very quickly and has, you know, yet to uh, to make in-game situations. Uh, you know, the only thing he's susceptible to, really, Parker's is sometimes getting dragged out of the middle by, you know, because he's not playing a true sort of sweeper position in that back three. You know, he's, he's marking, and even though it's sort of a zonal system, sometimes he'll track a guy all the way wide out of the box. And, you know, we've seen that a couple times with Moreno and, and you know, the first San Jose goal. The first San Jose goal is not his fault at all. Um, Riley, you know, for a second-round pick, has to be the steal of the draft so far. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. You know, and he looks like a polished pro. And he can play four or five different positions. He has two feet. People keep talking about his speed and his toughness. His technical ability is amazing. His game awareness is amazing. So, you know, but, you know, I could go through the whole team, to be honest with you, Tony. It's just like everybody's playing well. You saw Pat Noonan is sharper than ever. Uh, Taylor Twelman's rejuvenated, you know, health-wise. Shari Joseph, for me, is the best defensive midfielder. You know, listening to you guys before the break and last night's game, for me, uh, the wind changed, and I agree with my – I don't always agree with Greg Lyles, but I agreed with him very much. The wind shifted in that match when Shari Joseph stepped it up and started casting a longer shadow in the middle of the park, and, you know, he's a, he's a dominant figure in there. And that, that midfield is, you know, can you imagine Joseph Dorman – and Dempsey flying at you last night. Those are you know, big, fast, tough guys. And as great as Cancela is, in certain games, you know, Dorman may be more suited, you know, to to the, the demands of, of, of certain matches. So yeah, that's the Reds, the Reds are a good team right now. Um, MLS for me breaks down right now into sort of three tiers, and you know, the other two teams in the top tier, uh, Dallas and LA, are in the West. And then the bottom tier right now is Metro Stars, Colorado, and the expansion teams, and everybody else in that group in the middle. Uh, but the, re- the Revs right now are different class in the East for sure. What's going to happen when we start losing players for the national team games that are coming up, Bill Brad? Do you think Con- we, Connor we'll... Smith will score a hat trick? Those will step in and If you take Dempsey, Noonan, and Ralston out of the mix, it's going to be tough. I don't know where Taylor Twelman stands. I think he's more likely to get called in for Gold Cup games than he is for qualifiers, although, you know, I'm sure Taylor would not be happy to hear me say that. I don't think Taylor is at the top of the chart. I think guys like Ching and Johnson are well ahead of him, and even Noonan as far as the depth chart for MLS players for qualifiers, especially since some of these are going to be played during the close season in Europe where Arena will have more of those European-based guys at his disposal. But... You know, if you look at the squad depth right now, it's better than ever. Now, you're talking about Conley Adozi, and he hasn't gotten into a match yet, but he has real potential. He was terrific in the first uh, uh, reserve game against uh, D.C. United, at least in the second half. He was dominant for me. Uh, Conley Smith may be the real deal. Now, he may not be a star striker, but, you know, he's a different kind of a target man than than what the Reds already have. And, you know, (laughs) think about the guys who aren't even playing right now. Casio, Francino, Riley, you know. And even Cancela. And even Cancela. Hasn't played the last three games. The Reds haven't, you know, haven't, haven't lost, haven't, you know, haven't scored on. 
They haven't scored on. <laughs> yeah, somebody they was saying the other day that one of the biggest surprises this year, well, obviously uh, a surprise in that he stepped up and become uh, the leading candidate for rookie of the year. But uh, from a perspective of, like, if we had an injury to any given player, who, who would we miss the most? It's suddenly uh, becoming obvious that it might be Michael Parker. Michael Parker, because his slots is a heck of a tribute to the You kid. might have to go to a, a back four again. You're right. No, that's a, that's a good shout. And that's why, you know, you saw uh, um, Marco uh, Couto. Uh, right. Yeah. In, in, you know, they're, they're still looking at defenders. Uh, because the guys that they have in reserve roles or coming off, you know, coming off of injuries are mostly outside guys like Sofrancino and, and Riley. You don't have a true backup center back. What you do, what you do is move Avery John to the middle. Maybe with what heaps next to him is that what do you do? Yeah, and and since we lost Rusty, we don't have a flexible defender that can actually move from the from the side position into the middle. So. Well, I thought Heaps showed that he could do that at least for a limited time last year. Not he's not world beater center back, but he's got enough leaping ability, um, and you know that he can deal with the, the aerial part of it. And then you can drop Ralston to the right back slot. You know what I mean? Right. Because uh, I thought Steve Ralston was a revelation at, uh, at right fullback last year. He hated it. But uh, True. And, and Heaps is certainly a heck of an athlete. But I think what Michael Parkas has shown us is that uh, that position uh, is uh, a highly it's an intellectual mental, mental yeah. game. If you can read the game, the kid's making all the simple plays and uh, cutting everything off before it becomes dangerous. It's yeah, his amazing. anticipation and field vision are great. He compresses space. He, he steps at the right time. And he also is so good on the ball, Tony. Most guys at his skill level are are playing midfield in this league. I think it's really the next step in the evolution of the league to see somebody with his you know, level of, of technical facility playing as a defender and, and calling, making that his calling. Because, you know, he's using both feet. Uh, you saw that little half volley. He played four to Noonan. Like you know, Wildsiders looking at each other. Just, wow, this kid, this kid could play anywhere. The only thing you could say is maybe you know, put on another eight pounds or something, get a little stronger to muscle up against the big target guys like Johnson and Cheng. But kids hardly put a foot wrong in six games. But the one thing I noticed with this team is they have so many young players. Only have two players who are thirty. Everyone else is under that. And you look at the team. You say this team could be together for a long time. But really, with the two million dollar cap. It's not something Rev fans like to think about, but with with how well they're doing and players like Ralston, who's, who could easily be on the national team against England and we get attention from that, Dempsey could easily be there. Even Noonan, who could be there with uh, Beasley and Lewis possibly out for that game. You might even see time on the left wing. Guys like that, if they keep performing as well, they're, well as they're performing, it's going to be hard for with just a $2 million cap for the team to be able to keep players like that next year. Well, you know, everybody has escalator clauses based on, you know, certain incentives, or mo- most players do, at least that's my understanding. But I think the bigger risk is not managing, you know, bonuses kick in and you have to, you know, release certain guys, but there are ways to move things around to, to keep some of your core guys. I think, you know, I don't see European teams swooping in for Steve Ralston now that he's on the other side of 30. But Dempsey, at his age in particular, uh, you know, th- at a certain point, if he keeps on this way, an offer is going to come in. That's going to be too much for MLS to refuse. Now, they may make a philosophical decision that we're not letting these guys go. Like, you know, there's the report that, that Benfica came with what four or five million dollar offer for Eddie Johnson, and they turned it down. Which to me is insanity, by the way. Uh, I had also heard a month earlier that Barcelona offered two point five for Eddie Johnson. Now, I 
that was never confirmed the way the, the Benfica report was. But I think, you know, the most likely scenario, everybody says, is that Dempsey plays out this year, starts next year with the Revs, goes to Germany, gets on the field. Once he steps on the field and does something good, then, you know, depending on how well he does, you know, the offers start flooding in. But there are a million things that can happen between now and then, you know. And, you know, a certain point, you know, you know, Feinor may come back and say, "Hey, you know, we see, you know, we want him to develop, and now he has." And well, we, we were talking earlier, and I'm sure the team like Feinor, seeing him now, could have gotten him for a lot cheaper at that point than they can now, and I'm sure they're regret, regretting that decision. Well, this is the thing, though, Sean. It's not necessarily true. Like Feinor can say, "Okay, we'll get, you know, we'll offer MLS, not the Reds, but MLS, 1.2 million dollars." And this, I don't have any knowledge. Of this. I'm just speaking theoretically, you know, hypothetically. Uh, and Lee says, "No, you know, he's one of our young talents." We wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't sell him for that, which I believe would happen. I think that there's a certain number below which, you know, unless there's, you know, unless it's a, an unusual case like Danielle Hernandez where he just doesn't want to be here and, you know, it's a bad fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Dempsey right now is a good fit. He's getting into Sports Illustrated in the New York Times. You know what I mean? Like right. Dempsey is a guy, you know, he's, and he's doing great goal celebrations that make the evening news. So they don't want to get rid of Dempsey as a you know, marketing tool. He's a great, uh, colorful player, and uh, that's certainly... Right. So the price has to be a lot higher, you know, than what... You know, now my understanding, too, is that Feyenoord's problems were at the back, not in the attack. And so Dempsey was a little superfluous to their needs. If he were Dutch, he'd be on the team now, you know what I mean? But to spend the money that they have to spend to get him the work permit and, you know, make a big transfer bid, you know, it just it wasn't the right fit at the time. Now, some cynics are saying he didn't make it over there. I, I don't see... Dempsey actually was, I, you know, very pleased with his performance over there, and I think he got good feedback from Ruud Hullett. And, you know, listen, he's probably not going to end up at Feyenoord. That's just where his agent sent him for a two-week uh, visit last year. But I'm just using that as, again, a hypothetical. I think that it would take a big club offering several million dollars to the league where the league really couldn't say no for them to let go of him now. Right. Well, exactly. The, the, the league can say they're not going to sell a player, but when team like Manchester United has even been said there's inter- that they have interest in guys like Eddie Johnson and Freddie Adu. H- how much money is it going to take to to buy them away? You think a team like that could be able to offer it if they wanted him enough, and you really think there's a price tag that the team will not be able to turn down? Well, yeah, this is the thing though. Now Eddie Johnson's sort of on the cusp. Freddie Adu is obviously you know still young. They were talking. Manchester United was also talking about Eddie Gavin last year because I guess uh, Tim Howard threw that name out at Alex Ferguson. So they're looking at him. And again, this is all secondhand stuff. But my my feeling is this: as young as we think Dempsey is, just this, you know, 20, twenty-one, just you know, year out of co- you know, he came out of college early, but you know, second-year player in the league. What they think of as young in terms of developing players over there is you know, twenty and under. And so, when they get a guy Dempsey's age, they want the finished article. You know, is he he's twenty-two now, right? So. You know, not the finished article, but they do, they want somebody who could step on the field and be a first team player. Right. Well, I'm sure that the player that goes from here to there that that is one of the pitfalls is that you you can be an impact player in MLS and then suddenly you find yourself not playing, although you've made better money over in Europe. Yeah, and you know, it's called the Jovan Karofsky syndrome. Is that what you want to do? Bounce around from Manchester United to Borussia Dortmund to you know, where did he go? Uh, was he at Benfica for a while? I think. 
Yeah, he was. Yeah, and, 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 and he know, was in his prime, but, but ended up with Crystal Palace. You know, and Bruzzarina derisively said, you know, he's you know getting paid a lot of money to sit on some of the best benches in Europe. You know, it's just right. you know, but well, I don't see that happening to Clint Dempsey. I think you know, I could see him going to a lower mid-table Premiership team in England, and you know, and being an everyday player. But what I'm saying is. You know, those teams don't necessarily, they're not necessarily going to splash as much cash for an American who hasn't proven himself at the international level yet. Well, well even a guy like Bobby Convey went over, there. he thought it was, it was basically a done deal going to Tottenham, that he couldn't get the visa, and then he ended up at running, and now he's sitting on the bench there in a, in a higher mid-level uh, Coca-Cola championship team where, where even... Yeah, I think they missed strong. out on the playoffs today, by the way. Yep. Reading just missed. Yeah, just missed today. Their playoff hopes ended, and now he's going to be stuck in the championship again on their bench. Yeah, you know what? We always having this conversation today uh, at lunch down in Bristol. I, it's easy to say in hindsight. I never rated Bobby Convy, not because of his technical ability. Just I never saw that extra sort of edge. And, you know, people who are around him in D.C. have a lot of theories. Uh, I think it's unfortunate what's happening to him over there. I think it's a tough lesson, you know, learned hard. But, you know, thank goodness for him he didn't go over to, to Spurs because he would have gotten, gotten murdered. You know what I mean? Like I just think, I think England is probably the wrong place for him to go because he's you know not a physical guy. I never thought of him as a powerful player. And Americans always going to get a rough ride. You know, if you're a guy like Eddie Lewis and get up and down the wing and you know has a little bite in your game and whip crosses in. But Convy for me was always soft and you know a little bit petulant as he got older. He's a nice kid at 15 by 17. He seemed like kind of a brat and you know. I don't know. I think he, I think Cobby's a guy who just stayed around longer in MLS and developed, and then gone over once he was a star. Right. But what I'm saying is that I think that there are te- plenty of teams that would pay sort of you know lo- very low seven figures for a transfer fee for Clint Dempsey right now, based on just what he's done the first six weeks. Well, the style you know, of just, play you know, is very important, as you basis, said, Tony. But I don't think that that MLS would accept that money. But what I'm saying is Dempsey has to do a lot more to get to the point where somebody swoops in with a, an offer that MLS can't refuse, and I think he's going to have to do it in the U.S. national team uniform. I agree with you. I mean, Landon Donovan had a lot of success, success with the U.S. team, including in the World Cup, high-visibility stuff. Yeah, and they already own his contract. I mean, it's easy for right, him to That's a completely in. different situation. Yeah, but, but you know what? Clint Dempsey's made a different stuff than Landon Donovan. He may not be as naturally talented as Landon Donovan. I don't know. But he's a much tougher character. Well, I think he'd adapt to the European game a lot faster, and I think also Clint is still developing at a, at a higher rate than Landon, who, who seemed to peak at a very young age. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's a great player, especially in MLS. I, think it's I, I don't think he can get much better than that. I think Clint has still got his better days ahead of him. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think that's true, and I think also Clint is hungry to... He wants it all. He wants to test himself at the top level. And Clint also was never anointed the golden child. In some respect, that's less pressure. You know what I mean? Like Landon Donovan, I think, sort of got to a certain point and then sort of recoiled from, you know, like he almost had his hand on the, on the Holy Grail and then just sort of pulled back at the last second. He didn't want to take that last step because everybody's watching him the whole time. Whereas Dempsey, you could say, kind of came out of nowhere. Well, well, with a guy like Donovan, uh, I, I've had arguments with people about him saying, I, I don't think he, in MLS he ever gives 100%. I think he coasts by, at least with San Jose, he seems like he would coast by on 50%. And with, with a guy like Dempsey, he seems to always be giving 100%. And, and no matter who he's playing for, he wants to win and, and to, draw, to give 100% for the team. Okay, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here because I don't disagree with what you're saying about Donovan. But I've also seen Donovan 
is a pretty crafty guy, and I think he plays possum out there. I think that he works off of the ball as much as he works on the ball. Uh, I think you look at that 4-2 win that San Jose had over Chicago in the final two years ago as a, as a great example of that. Now, obviously, it's a final, and Donovan's bringing the day game. But people would say, oh, he's not. For the first 35 minutes, Donovan isn't doing anything. I said, B.S., He's setting up what he's going to do. He's doing the rope-a-dope. He drifts off the ball. He makes runs that look, you know, that just sort of pull guys, you know, defenders out of position. And then he has such a great first touch, he can kill you just in the, in the blink of an eye. I think if there's one fault that Dempsey has is that he's all action all the time and he's always on the ball and he's getting killed. He's getting fouled five, six times a game and eventually somebody's going to break his ankle. Well, that, that is a, you, you can look at it that way, but also with Donovan, I see him play excellent games for uh, in the MLS Cup Finals. I see him play excellent games for the U.S. where he's involved the whole game. But then I saw for, with L.A. this year, I'm not seeing it as much. I'm seeing as him stepping up and playing to his full potential. But I saw a lot of games with San Jose where it just seemed like he wasn't involved. Where, whereas a guy like Dempsey, I, I, don't, I, have, I haven't seen a game where I could say that no, about I him. No, think, I think that's a fair point. I, I guess also from a revolution perspective, Donovan always seems to do something. Even if he's coasting for 80 minutes, he has 10 minutes to kill the refs. I think that, you know, that, like, for me right now, I used to say San Jose is the team that the refs least want to see. Now it's got to be L.A. just because of L.D., you know? Well, well, even with uh, L.A., they, they've been playing a lot better, and they beat Dallas, who I thought was going to be the class of the league along with the refs at that point. But it, it, it really, if Donovan's not playing 100%, but, you know, he can, he can drift in and out of the game as much as he wants but if he's not going to be involved in leading, because I don't see L.A. having the strongest supporting cast other than just Donovan. Mm-hmm. No, I, th- I, think that, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, I Listen, Dempsey is, is you know, I, I've, from a fan's perspective, a dream come true. You know what I mean? A guy who gives, you know, he's, he has flash, but he also has the, the, the toughness to back it up. You know what I mean? Nobody begrudges... Dempsey, a goofy goal celebration, because he puts in so much toughness and hard work to, to make the goal. You know what I mean? I always said the reason it's not cocky for you know, Michael Jordan to do a fancy dunk because he worked so hard at the defensive end to win the ball for the steal for the breakaway. You know what I mean? Like he's, not, he's not really show, he's showboating, yeah, but it's pro ball. So, yeah, re, do the fisherman celebration. You do the baseball celebration because you, to a certain degree he's earned it. You know what I mean? And so, you know, Dempsey... You know, he's going 110% for 90 minutes, uh, and, you know, he's all action. You get stuck in on tackles, and people crush him. He doesn't come up with a lot of yap. He just goes about his business. If a teammate gets cheap-shotted, he doesn't come flying in with, you know, pushing and shoving. He waits until the rest forgotten about it, and 10 minutes later he nails the guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's, a, he like, he's just he's great to watch, and he, you can tell he loves the game and is a student of the game. Steve Nichols said it. Dempsey's a guy who wakes up every morning already thinking about what he's going to do at training that day. And, uh, you know, one thing I do want to dispel, the, the, uh, the, the Avery John Clint Dempsey dust-up ball was a pretty good little, you know, set, too. I don't think Channel 7 caught the whole thing on their cameras. But not a big deal. Not a big deal. Here's some fans saying that, you know, Avery John's in trouble. Not a big deal. Uh, those two respect each other as professionals. They get along fine, and it was just one of those things that happens. Well, we got to wrap things up here. You have just a couple seconds left there. I want to thank you again for joining us, Brad. Thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime. Thanks for the great work you do on the on your own radio show and also the Res Video News, of course. That's uh, fantastic yep. stuff, and it's uh, improved over the years. Uh, it was good from the start, and it's getting better all the time. Thanks. I have fun doing it, guys. Yeah, and and don't, I, you know, don't forget I, I to check out I the. I do, and I'm lucky to be able to do it. 
And don't forget to check out End the, End the Net and Rev's video news at revolutionsoccer.net, which is hosted by Brad Feldman. And uh, I'd like to thank Tony again for joining us. We'll be back next week from 7 to 8 p.m. We're every Sunday at, at AM 1320 as well as at 1320thedrive.com. And archives are available at revolutionrecap.com. And I'd like to let, let you check out Tony's website, revsnet.com, where he has got some great pictures up as well as some wonderful news stories. Thanks again for joining us.